if I was given a chance to go back and have a cookie cutter out of the box childhood, I wouldn't take it. I believe that everything I went through, I don't think made me the man who I am today, but put real adversity into my life to give me the power to want to drive as hard as I do today. Hello, thank you so much for tuning into the Active Ingredient Podcast. I am your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am a deeply curious person on my own personal journey of self-discovery and personal growth. This is a podcast all about the journey and figuring out what makes us come alive and prioritizing whatever that is every single day. When I started the podcast over two years ago, I thought that I would get the answers externally. And the more conversations I had and the more work that I did on myself, the more I realized that every single answer and all of the truths lie within and in the silence. I know that may sound a bit overwhelming, which is why my mission is to have candid conversations with relatable humans who I feel have truly come alive and get really clear about how they've come home to themselves, as well as share my own discoveries along the way. Welcome to Active Ingredient. My biggest wish for you is that you feel alive and that you tap into your active ingredient every single day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Active Ingredient. We have a guest interview this week, and I am beyond excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Our guest of the show this week is Michael Chernow, who is the founder of Creatures of Habit. He is the king of habits. If you don't follow him already, you absolutely should. If you like motivation, if you like someone who gives really good tips on what to focus on, on how to focus and how to really maximize your days and go where the energy is and continue to build that energy. That's just like what he oozes. That's who he is. But his story was not always like this. And he gets into his journey on how he got to being at a place where he is so incredibly disciplined. He really is just someone who respects time, who respects his body, someone that I look up to so much. But he did have a really rough road to get him to where he's at today. And he gets into his whole journey. And I will not spoil it in the intro. But before starting Creatures of Habit, which is an incredible, incredible pre-made oatmeal company. So they basically, they sell oats. And you guys know that I'm obsessed with overnight oats. They have oats pre-packaged. You can use it as overnight oats. You can put it in your smoothie. There's different ways to do this. This episode is absolutely not sponsored. I bought Creatures of Habit myself and I've been putting it in my smoothie and I've really, really, really been enjoying it. So the packet, it's I think it's one serving, but I kind of break it down into four servings and I'll do a fourth of the bag in my smoothie. And it really, really helps with energy, with focus. I feel like the protein really hits my protein needs because I've been eating a lot of plant-based lately. But yeah, so Michael is incredible. Like Michael is just an incredible human with an incredible soul. I think that he's someone who just he's been through it. So he, he has a lot of empathy to him. And I really respect that prior to starting creatures of habit, he opened, I believe it was 16 restaurants. He is the co-founder of the meatball shop in New York, Seymour's, and he's had a few different companies. And this is the one that like, I've known him for a long time. I actually used to do the PR for Michael back in the day, like back, back, back in the day. And I feel like it's really cool to see someone in their career journeys kind of really up close and personal and seeing him in this journey, in this creatures of habit moment where he has 
brought an extension of really something that saved him into the forefront of him, of his life and his sharing it with the world is really, really cool. So with that, welcome Michael to the show. And again, this is not sponsored, but we wanted to give you guys a gift. So if you leave a five star and review on Apple podcasts and on Spotify and send me a screenshot to my Instagram, I'll put all the instructions in the show notes. But if you send it to my DM on Sophie, I wheel at Instagram, we will be giving a few creatures of habit boxes to our active ingredient listeners. Also, if you want to use code active, we'll be giving you a discount as well. So all this to say is Michael, you are incredible. I love this episode and thank you all so much for listening. Welcome to the show. So we have Michael Chernow in the studio. I haven't seen him in at least four years, which is insane. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm stoked. So I kick off every single podcast asking the guest what they were like as a kid that they remember. And I'm very excited to hear what little Michael was like. And if you find that your qualities as a little child are in your qualities today. It's a really good question. So when I was a kid, people have always been my thing from as early as I can remember. And I don't know if it's because my grandmother really made it very clear that I, you know, she said when I was born, I had a twinkle in my eye. That's my grandmother always said to me. And she said, you're, she always said, you're an old soul from as early as I can remember, you're an old soul. And she would would like single me out as like the special grandkid. I don't know if that impacted me or if I innately slash inherently was just good with people. But I, I learned early on that I have, I think my superhuman talent is connecting with human beings. And I was always good at that from, from a kid. I also always thought entrepreneurially. Hmm. When I was five years old, I was not the kid who like let his toys collect dust in the corner if I stopped using them. I grew up in Manhattan. So... <laughs> I would ask my older sister to come downstairs with me and I would lay down a sheet in front of our apartment building and I would lay my toys out really nice and neat and sell them for a dollar on the street all the time. This is very Gary Vaynerchuk vibes. I mean, (laughs) it's true. I was also like passionate about card collecting and there was a baseball card slash comic book shop right down the street for me and I would go in there. I would save up some money. I would buy a bunch of grab bags. I had these like grab bag envelopes of comics. And sometimes there'd be like an insanely valuable comic in there. And it was always like, you pay five bucks, you get somewhere between four and seven comics. And so I would go in there, I'd buy a bunch of grab bags and I would hope that I'd get one valuable one. And if I didn't, I would stand outside the comic book shop and sell those comics for a dollar. <laughs> so I'd make some money back. Wait, was, are your parents entrepreneurial or is this just you? So my father actually was an entrepreneur, Mm. not a successful one, but always worked for himself. He was an electrician. He was a lighting designer. And so he was an entrepreneur. My grandfather, successful, was an entrepreneur. His father? His father. So yes, there's entrepreneurs in my bloodline from my father to my grandfather. But yeah, I mean, I I always, you know, I was I was walking 30 dogs by the time I was 11, 12 years old. I was always just out trying to make, do, and create. There was always a people component to it. And so- Is that I, the drive or is that just what you like from it? When you're doing it, is something driving it that you think is at the end of that? Or 
you're doing it from the pure love of people. I love making people happy. Okay. I always have. And I also learned because, you know, I had a pretty tough relationship with my dad. So my childhood was a little bit of rough and tumble. I learned that me being able to connect with humans in a positive way put me in situations that were better than where I was at home. And I think that I learned that that was a skill set that I should hone you felt as safe. I got older. You felt safer? I felt, I felt safer making other people happy and ultimately being able to connect and him having them like me. Has that always served you or has that been to a fault? Double-edged sword. I'm a leader, right? Mm-hmm. So I've launched 16 restaurants in my career. I've mm-hmm. managed hundreds of people. I've hired and fired thousands of people throughout my career. I always lead with kindness. I don't have a hard time telling people when they're fucking up. Part of my language. Can it's I curse allowed. on this? It's allowed. Okay. Uh, I don't have- <laughs> I a, like passion. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a hard time telling people when they fuck up, but I'd much rather tell them how awesome they are. And so people of steam rolled me over the years because of that kindness. But ultimately, I think in the aggregate, I could almost guarantee to this day, at least 85 to 90% of the people that I have personally fired from my businesses, because I- I tend to do that. Uh, You know, I take the responsibility to do that and not like pass the buck off to somebody else. If I were to sit down with them right now and ask them if they want to come back and work, they would say yes in a heartbeat. And so I think I've learned how to be a leader with assertiveness and earn respect, but also people love me. And so I do believe that that is ultimately my superpower in leadership. But I also think that my desire, hunger to want to help people and make people happy and because of my story, offer hope, habit, and happiness really is kind of what it is for me. It's like I am a changed person. I went through hell and back. And so I think my passion for people is also what drives me in business. Okay, I want to talk about this Helen Back situation because the reason I asked that child question is because I have found that a lot of times we lose those childlike things that we end up finding when we're in alignment as adults. So that childlike thing, your like love of people and channeling it in a good way. Did you ever channel that in a way that didn't serve you? Is that what was happening in that like quote unquote hell part of your life? And then you refound that or was it something else? I mean, just to clearly define what hell was for me. I started using drugs and alcohol in a very abusive way from 13 to 23. I was a full-fledged alcoholic and drug addict. I don't think that I was a different person. I don't think that my passion for people changed. I don't think that my desire to want to make people happy changed. I think my perspective of who I was changed. I think I stopped caring about how I felt and wanted only the approval of others. So this is the detriment to that side of that sword. And so that was really what put me in a position of desperation because I, I had, it was, it was not easy at home. You know, I I moved out of my parents' house super duper young. How old were you? 15. And so I was running. Did you get into, what's that called? An emancipation or? No, I just left. The child services got involved in my household it got to a point where it was just too intense. And they basically said to my mother, if you don't 
take your son. We're going to take him in foster care. And I, I, as soon as I heard that, like I packed my shit and I was gone. So I, I really think that I felt lost. I felt totally confused. Like, am I not wanted? You know, I didn't know really. I just, I want, it was a really, and I, by the way, would not change a thing. If I was given a chance to go back and have a cookie cutter out of the box childhood, I wouldn't take it. I believe that everything I went through, I don't think made me the man who I am today, but put real adversity into my life to give me the power to want to drive as hard as I do today. I know what it's like to feel pain in a real way, and I'm grateful for it. I'm sober 17 and a half years, you know. And I mean, we need to talk about this because like you said earlier, you have opened 16 restaurants and the drug and alcohol culture in the restaurant scene is crazy. I mean, it's just, I think I want to get your take on why that is. And if you think that there's a point that we can fix it or that that doesn't have to be the norm. But I want you to talk about the industry at large. And also, what was your point? 23 is really young, really wise to be able to stay on the path of sobriety? Like, how did you get there and stay there? Well, I guess I'll start by the, the, the restaurant industry. A lot of people end up in the restaurant business. They don't, like, pursue it, right? Interesting. But you wanted it. You chose the restaurant industry young, no? I wanted to work okay. when I was 12 years old. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this first, wasn't like a career. Like, you just wanted to work. I wanted to work. Okay. okay, I, okay. You know, I wanted to work, and, and the only place that would hire me really was a restaurant and a video store that I was delivering videos for. But I ended up choosing the restaurant. I ultimately, luckily, I found okay. insane passion for it. Obviously, I was surrounded by people, which was, which was my driving force. But I also became enormously passionate about beverage and food. And really, even though I spent years, you know, under the influence of alcohol and drugs and really sort of lost in many ways, I did have that passion for beverage and food. I really did. I mean, I, I'm very proficient in wine and all sorts of food, specifically Italian food, because I've, I've worked in a, a bunch of Italian restaurants. But the restaurant business happens to, you know, when the busiest time of your day is at 930 at night, it's a different lifestyle. The things that happen after 9.30, 10 o'clock at night are far less productive mm -hmm. than the things that happen at 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. And so one would imagine that if you choose to live your busiest time at, that, at those hours, you are enjoying what happens in those hours. And so for someone who really is, you know, it's either you're, you know, when it comes to alcoholic, drug addict, whatever it is, it's either you are or you're not. It potentially is a genetic thing. Mm -hmm. You either can drink and use drugs casually and recreationally every once in a while and like not obsess about it. Or the minute you start, you don't want to stop. And you want to party until 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock the next day, potentially 20, 46, 38, you know, 72 hours straight, you know. And for someone who doesn't have that problem, because it's a problem, they look at those that do and say, I don't even understand. I don't understand. And, and if you were to ask the alcoholic or the drug addict, they don't understand either, but they know that it's real for them. And so those who are 
tend to gravitate to the atmospheres where that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's why the restaurant business and the, and the, and the nightlife is so, is, is really littered with a lot of addiction and abuse because if I was a drug addict and an alcoholic and I found a place where I can make $500 a day and drink and do drugs, shit, you better believe I'm going mm-hmm. to work there. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm really interested to know your decision to get sober and stay in the industry and not only stay in the industry, but become literally one of the biggest restaurateurs in New York, knowing that this was something that you have genetically or however you want to say it, but the decision to stay within that environment and also choose sobriety. How did you get to that point? I knew I didn't want to die anymore. I was dying. I got really lucky. I died. I OD'd. I mean, it was very clear for me. It was a Tuesday morning, August 2nd, 9 o'clock in the morning. I had been up for at least, at least 24 to 36 hours. It might have been a full 48. I had work. I had a double at Frank Restaurant, 2nd Avenue. I was with two guys that I had been partying with. This is two weeks after I had OD'd, promising myself I'd never do it again. But I was out that same day. And I like looked in the mirror and I said, I want to die. I don't want to die slowly anymore. I just want to die fast. I want to end it. I just want to end it. And I really do remember feeling the desire to want to die. I hated myself and my passion for people was not, was not cutting the cake anymore. So somehow, some way I passed out. I don't, you know, I just like, I probably just blacked out. And I woke up 16 hours later and I had this moment of grace. And I said, I don't want to die anymore. I don't want to die. For that moment right there, boom, like I knew I had slept through work. I knew that I had probably lost my job because it was not the first time I slept through work. And I said, I can't do that. I just can't. I got to figure something out. And I reached out for help and a couple of guys came to the rescue and dragged me into a Muay Thai kickboxing gym and brought me to a community of people that I identified with that, you know, I, I just got very lucky with these group of guys that took me under their wing and I, I was done. I just, I was done. I got lucky. And I just, I, I, my desire just completely evaded and me. And that has, that has been what sustained you for sobriety since then? I replaced all of my bad habits with great ones. And that's why I launched Creatures of Habit. <laughs> habits are everything. Our habits are us. The decisions we make are our habits, especially the decisions we make consistently. Anybody can change. Anybody can change, no matter how many times you hear people don't change. I have nothing but hope for people that want to change. And it can be changed anything from your relationship to food, to your desire to want to kill yourself, to your lack of confidence in yourself to go start your own business, to getting into shape and losing weight, to gaining weight and putting on muscle, to running a marathon, Everyone and anyone has the ability to change, and it's all contingent on the moment they wake up every single morning. The moment they open their eyes, their life starts every day. That's all we get, one fucking day. We are not guaranteed anything else. Yesterday is fucking gone, and tomorrow is non-existent. You get one fucking day, and it starts the moment you open your eyes. That is really what life is. It is a series of decisions we get to make. We get the, the ability to choose. I wake up every single morning. The second I open my eyes, I smile. 
the second like clockwork it's like a fucking it's like i need a video i need you to put like something in your room i, I do i i i like literally i wake up at five o'clock in the morning i pull back my eye mask i look up at the ceiling and immediately go and i hold it i hold it for like 15 seconds and i think about my two kids i think about my wife sitting at our breakfast table i always go to that and i say thank you for fucking waking me up okay and have happy and healthy and then I start a long list of things that I do every morning that for some people would be like, oh, my God, this guy. For me, it's just like brushing my teeth and taking a piss. I've implemented these habits because I know that I have no control over what happens after 830 in the morning. <laughs> From five o'clock to 830 in the morning, we all, for the most part, have complete control over what happens. And, you know, you cannot build a structure that you can expect to last on quicksand. However, you can build a structure that you can expect to last on bedrock. And so if you start your day pouring the fucking foundation, the rock-solid bedrock that you have complete control over, your chances of building a building or building a fucking frame that'll stand up to the test of time, weather, and wind are far greater. And so I take that time in the morning. Then I hit my knees and I always have my morning prayer that I say, and I ask the universe for help, help me stay sober. I pray for about 50 people to, you know, have the universe bless them throughout their day. I do 50 push-ups. Then I sneak through the bedroom downstairs into the kitchen. I light candles. I drink 22 ounces of water with lemon and pink salt. I drink my athletic greens. I meditate for 10 to 15 minutes. I make a cup of coffee. I write in my journal while I'm drinking my coffee. My kids come down at that point. It's about 6 a.m. My, my older son, it's my favorite part of the day where I'm sitting there. I just, I just done all this amazing shit. This isn't like once. This is every fucking day I do this. Clockwork. Saturday, Sunday? Every day. At 6 o'clock in the morning, my son shows up, sits down, straddles me. And it, it, it's emotional when I think about it because I fucking love it. Like, I genuinely love my family. And I know that that's made possible because I genuinely love myself. And not in a cocky, egotistical way, in a way that's really humble and... So my son comes in and then the rest of the family starts trickling down by like 6.15, 6.30. I hang out with them till 7. Either we'll take my dog out for a run or just go straight to the gym. Done with that. The first thing I do when I'm done with the gym is I have my protagonist, my oatmeal from Creatures of Habit. I have it every single day. I do not miss it. It is my first meal every single day. Um, and then I'm typically at the office by like 10 a.m. That's how I start my day every day. And I know... Like, this doesn't play a part in my life. You know, I might post something he's, on He's his, looking at his phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got my phone in my hand. I don't let this control me in the morning. I might look. I might check in, a, you know, a text. I might write an email. I might post on Instagram, you know, because I really do believe that when I post things that I do, I get a lot of people that DM me saying, how can I do that too? Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel good because now I'm being of service. But I don't let it dictate me. I do not get caught in the fucking hole. 
until 10 a.m. And then, and, and then, then <laughs> and then, you know, and then kind of all bets are off, right? But yeah. here's the deal. When I pour that foundation, when I lay that fucking bedrock in the morning, I feel so strong and I've won like 17 times already. Whatever the day throws at me, I'm not like bulletproof, but my ability to respond with patience, with empathy, with self-awareness, as opposed to react, my chances of responding are far greater. I do not have that short fuse. And I can't say it's any one of those things that offer that opportunity for me. I really do believe that it is the string of them all together and the power behind it. I mean, think about it. This is the crazy thing, right? Five o'clock in the morning, I think, is early. Sometimes I wake up at 4.45, which I love because I don't get an extra 15 minutes. But the hour that I get alone, no one around, is the most productive hour in my life because all I get is a day, right? Can't change yesterday, have no control over tomorrow. So I look at my life as a day. And so that hour is so goddamn productive. I'm loving myself. I'm taking care of myself. I'm looking inside. I'm meditating. I'm fucking writing. And, and, and not only is that the most productive hour of my life, I've just given myself seven more hours of productive time in life a week. That's 28 hours, full productive hours a month. That's fucking like 400 hours a year of not like, oh, yeah, you've added 400 hours to your life. 400 of the most productive hours possible. And like potent and, and sacred. I find that I'm, I'm a morning person also, and my listeners know I'm obsessed with the morning routine. So yours, I'm like, fuck, yes. I love every single thing about it. I find it to be the part of the day that we are. And I, I, I heard you say that you pray to the universe because one of my questions was when you were in the hospital bed and you said you had that moment of grace, was that a connection to universe, God, or whatever whatever it is that you believe in? Like, was that that moment? Luckily, I I, I mean, I got very lucky that I wasn't in the hospital. Oh, okay. Um, the, the person that I was with was scared to call an ambulance okay. and threw me in a, sh- in a shower and got I it. luckily came out of it. But... um. I think the moment when I woke up that next day, at that point, I really don't think it was a spiritual thing necessarily. It without a doubt was. It definitely was. I don't think that I appreciated it as that in the moment. I certainly now know that that was an absolute spiritual experience for me where I was able to finally surrender But uh, there is one thing that I've done consistently, two things really, (laughs) that I've done consistently since the day I got sober. One is pray and two is eat oatmeal. Like that's truth. And so I am a real creature of habit. And I was such a sponge in those days of like sobriety, early sobriety, because I just didn't, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. The guys that help, that were helping me out, they were like, so what do you normally eat? You know, we like, we want to help you get better. I was like, I don't even know. I don't you're really think about it. You were disconnected. Yeah. I just don't like to think about food. 
So they gave me a meal plan, you know, and they gave me a fitness plan. And that's why I was able to really, and this is something that I, I, I do strongly believe down the road with creatures of habit. Once we, you know, we're only seven months old, once we get our sort of head out of the weeds of launching the mission that I am really looking to bring to the, to the forefront of our business is change is absolutely possible. And you asked me before, like, why did you, like, how did you stay sober, nightlife, crazy business? And, and the truth is, is that like, I really did find true passion in wellness. I became, I don't want to say addicted to it because I, I just don't, I just, the addiction word doesn't really resonate well for me when it comes to eating healthy and fitness. Mm-hmm. But I probably couldn't have done it with just AA alone or just like that community of people alone. I really do think that the, the two of those things together, fitness and nutrition and the community of people were how I did it at such a young age. And so part of what I'd like to do at Creatures of Habit is to really help people see the forest through the trees with wellness giving them this chance because I just know for me, it's so real. I found my way through wellness. I found my way out of a heroin crack addicted person to a competitive kickboxer, pro bodybuilder, marathon runner guy. If you guys don't follow him, you absolutely have to. It's so impressive. It really, really is. And I just, I want to go back to, I love that you said those two things are prayer, I think to the universe is what you, what you do and the habit on the prayer side. Is that what has helped you love yourself again? You know, I think the prayer side for me, and this is how it was explained to me early on. And I think this is why it stuck for me. I struggled with asking for help for years, for years. All I really had to do to get myself out of the the addiction hole was to genuinely ask for help and actually want it. Mm So I really struggled with asking for help. And honestly, I think a lot of men in general do struggle with asking for help in in all sorts of arenas. I believe that the getting humble on my knees, asking, and I'm totally like, I don't, I don't have a religious belief, but I do believe in God. God is a massive part of my life. I do think of God as a power greater than myself that is not human, that is there for me no matter what. <laughs> and so I ask for help first thing in the morning. It's how I start my day. I ask for help with sobriety. I ask for help with keeping me, not taking my will back. I ask for my higher power to help all the people I love and care about. And also all the people that I fucking, that annoy me. That's and gross. So, yeah. That is gross that you're able to do that. That's, yeah. That right there is the culmination of all of those years of practice to be able to get to a point where you're praying for the people that have either wronged you or just upset you or you don't like. Like that's a level of growth that is a byproduct of the habits that you choose. Well, the other thing that I also learned throughout this process is that resentment towards other people hurts only one person, just one person. And that person is not the other person. That person is, is the one resentful, especially if you are resentful towards someone 
And every time you get around a friend or a family member and you badmouth that person, because a lot of people do that when they have deep-rooted resentments, partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, ex-husband, ex-wife, partner, business partner, whatever, they, anytime they get a chance to fucking shit talk, they do. And the thing is, is that when you bring up that person's name in a negative way, that resentment only gets deeper and stronger. However, I've flipped it on its back and anybody who I'm resentful towards, I say their name in my morning prayers in a positive way. So I start to correlate their name with positivity, grace, and that resentment slowly fades away. I'm curious, for being someone who just like does so much, I don't know how you do it from 10 on for all the millions of projects that you have. I'm curious how you strike the balance between being so grateful and content with where you are currently and also striving for the next thing. Well, I will say that the pandemic has added a lot of perspective to my life. As an entrepreneur that's opened a bunch of different businesses, you wear many hats and it's all... It all falls on you as a founder of a company. Mm -hmm. And what I learned in the pandemic was I can continue to think that way. It's all on me. It's all on me. Or I can really stop thinking that way. And I've always surrounded myself with smart people. And I'm still young, mm -hmm. right? I have so much to learn. And this is a great leap of faith for me. I know surrounding myself with smart people smarter than me has always been something that I've striven for. Mm -hmm. But allowing them to really do their job without editing them was not something I was capable of in the way I am today. And so today, and because of the pandemic, and because I've found that I am more, I am more productive when I have more family in my life, when I have more time with my wife, I found that my, my ability to produce at work is just better. So I would feel terrible coming into work at 10 o'clock in the morning and leaving at 4.35. Terrible before the pandemic. Because I was like unheard of. <laughs> I never was home for dinner, ever. And then the pandemic happened and everybody stayed home. And... I said, this is it. I'm not doing what I used to do anymore. I'm going to hire great people. I'm going to let them work completely. I'm going to high five them if they win. And I'm going to pick up the ball if they fail. And I'm going to ask them not to ask me for, their, for approval of every fucking thing that they have to do. I'm going to ask them to make decisions. And don't ask me. Like, I hired you for a reason. And I think that perspective has really, really helped me become a better leader. You're always doing something. You're a visionary. You see very far in advance. How do you have that practice? I guess it's in your morning practice of like being content, but not complacent. I'm a fucking hunter. Like that's what I am. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a hunter. I'm a curious discovery junkie. I am fucking curious. I want to lift up rocks. My favorite thing to do with my kids is walk into the woods and lift up rocks and find what's underneath. Like that, I like live for it. I'm a fisherman. I love fishing because there's no better thing for me than throwing a line with a worm into water and seeing what fucking bites. 
I love it. I'm a garage sale guy. I love walking into a place and, and finding some crazy cool thing that's, I am really a hunter. I've, I just love learning and I love uncertainty and I love scary shit. You know, I'm about to do this 75 hour Navy SEAL boot camp buds thing where they're going to like throw me in a body bag, throw me in the ocean. <laughs> Just, I'm doing, and you know, everybody's like, why would you do that? Like, what would, what would compel anybody to want to volunteer to do that? And my answer is, why wouldn't I? Like, why wouldn't I want to be scared and challenge myself? Why not? What's the point of life if you're not doing things that make you have to be resourceful? Like, isn't that exciting? Isn't that like what it is? You know, at the end of my podcast every week, I always ask, what's it all for? We get one day. <laughs> you get one day. <laughs> That's what you get. Make the fucking most of it every day. Don't live like it's your last. Live it like it's your best. The whole point of this life, in my opinion, is happiness and love. And I think the harder you challenge yourself, the closer to happiness you get. The other side of fear is freedom. Period. Done. And with freedom comes love. And when you feel locked up and, and there's nothing wrong with insecurity, but like there's ways out of it. I used to be the kind of guy where if I fell into a ditch, whereas most people would try to like climb themselves out, I fucking start hanging pictures on the wall. Get comfy up in there. Just be like, fuck it, I'm fucking comfy. I don't need to. And I hated life. And today, I challenge myself all the time so that I can experience what life has to offer. When people ask me why, I say, why not? That's it. Of course, you know, I, I want to be an example for my boys. I want to be the best husband ever. I've got big dreams. I love it. Well, please keep going. He also has the best podcast. It used to be called Born or Made, if you guys heard it before. Now it's Creatures of Habit, the name mm -hmm. of the brand. So I have to ask this question because I always have my audience in mind. My audience is, we're seekers. Like we're people that just like, we want to be on the path. Maybe someone listening is like looking at you and seeing you're living in alignment. You're living your purpose every day. You're choosing the thing that's harder and they don't know where to start. So, you know, your habit list, your morning list is incredible, but maybe a lot for someone who has zero. What would be that first, that first thing or piece of advice that you could give someone who is hungry for this, like living in alignment or in fulfillment feeling and doesn't know where to start? This is going to sound silly, but I believe it to be true. If you start your morning with forced positivity and optimism it will ultimately begin to take shape. If you can open up your eyes in the morning, smile, count to 15, and say, I'm going to commit to myself today. I promise you, it'll feel very weird. <laughs> it's, it's awkward. Even still today, I've been doing it for years. It's still awkward. But after about 10 seconds, if you hold that smile... You genuinely feel good. Like serotonin is actually released into your system. And we all wake up with anxiety. We all wake up with, oh my God, how am I going to do this? 
Oh my God, I got this thing coming up. Oh shit, that thing happened yesterday. Fuck, what am I going to do? If you like throw your hand up to that and say, you know what, I'm, I, I, can, I can choose that or I can choose this. Just commit to that. Start there. Oh my God. I want, I know we're at time and I literally have 8 million more questions. So we might have to do a part I just want to say one thing about creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do believe that our habits are everything. Mm -hmm. I launched Creatures of Habit because habits almost took my life and they've ultimately now given me the life beyond my wildest dreams, all because of the habits that I've, I've chosen. We launched a product called The Protagonist. And so when I got sober, those guys you know, that, that really helped me change um, or gave me a, a path to change, told me that the first thing I should do every single morning is pray and then eat oatmeal. And I just didn't question it. I was like, whatever. Okay. Like that's what they want me to eat. They're telling me that that's going to give me, make me healthier. I'll do it. And so I've, I've been eating oatmeal as my first meal for 17 and a half years. And when I was thinking about what I was going to do for Creatures of Habit, I'm a food guy, you know, I come from the restaurant business. No one really thought that I was not going to be in the restaurant business. I didn't think I was going to be, I thought I was, I'd had at least another 25 years in the restaurant business, but I'm not right now. I said, I need to do something with food. And I was out on a run and I knew that I wanted to launch a, a product in the wellness space. And I was like, what am I going to do? And then immediately oatmeal came to mind. And I was like, the truth is, oatmeal really did change my life. It was integral for me committing to a, a positive relationship to food. And I do strongly believe that when we want to change, we need to look at our relationship to food. Our relationship to food is food is essential. Unlike many things, food and water are essential. We don't make them. And we need them to survive. And we live in modern day society where the options are endless, mm -hmm. right? And in many cases, they're not good. And so I wanted to put a product out there that was familiar, that was insanely convenient and easy, but packed with awesome ingredients and functionality. And really, I wanted to optimize oatmeal. And so I worked on this formula for a year. It's amazing. We I launched need to it in try August. It. I, I need, need to, to get try. it to you. Like, how have I not? And by the way, I didn't tell you this, but like I overnight oats changed my life. I mean, I make it myself, so I can't wait to have it done for me. But my listeners know this. Like I, out of anything that I've ever talked about, I've had like over 80 people message me of their overnight oats doing it because I, it actually really changed my life. I've had several episodes talking about just oats. So like this is very aligned for me. Well, it's, it's gluten-free oats, plant-based protein, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D3, probiotic, digestive enzymes, pink Himalayan salt, mm. if I didn't say that already. And it's in four flavors. You can make it overnight. You can make it by just adding hot water. You can make an off-the-chart smoothie with it by just adding almond milk, ice, and if you want, a little banana. And you can throw it in the microwave. And some people just add cold liquid to it and drink it. It's amazing. It's insanely versatile. The branding's off the off the hook. No, it's insane, you guys. Wait, should we? Uh, this is not sponsored at all. Like, I literally am having my gone because I'm obsessed with him and I love him. But should we do like a giveaway or something? Let's for, do it. Okay, hundred percent. And also, okay. you can use um, if you wanted to. Let's do a twenty percent off code and a giveaway. Active ingredient. Active ingredient. The number twenty. Okay. 
active ingredient. This is like a we're literally brainstorming as we're doing That's this. It. Yeah, because I, I swear, like my listeners know my obsession with overnight oats or just oats in general. So I I haven't tried it yet. I'm sure I'm going to be obsessed with it because you made it. It's bomb and uh, it's got a lot of protein in there. It's insa- and you're selling direct to consumer, like on the website. All on the website. The okay. website is creaturesofhabit.com with a K. Creaturesofhabit.com. Use active ingredient the number two zero active ingredient twenty for twenty uh, percent off. I'm literally going to use my own code. <laughs> and then, well, I'll send you some. And then, and then, whatever you want to do for a giveaway, I'm down to do. So when you drop the podcast, we should just do a giveaway. Yeah, I'm super, super done. Okay, last question. What is the thing out of all the things? I think you already kind of touched on this that you feel the most alive in, which is what we call the active ingredient. But the thing in your life that you're like, this is where I feel alive. I put myself first before everyone, before my wife and kids, before my business, before everything. And because of that, because I take that time in the morning, that hour in the morning, before everybody wakes up, hour and change, I'm a better husband, a better father, a better son, brother, business partner, business owner, employer, friend, all of it. That time that I invest in myself makes me a better human being. And so I would probably say... I feel the most alive in that hour of my life because I know that I'm just throwing money in the bank, you know? I do know. I very much do know. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? What's your Instagram handle? So at Michael Chernow. And Creatures of Habit. And at Creatures of Habit with a K. Amazing. Well, I'll put it all in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. This was amazing. We're going to have to do part two, three, four, et cetera, because I have way more questions. Let's go. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for making it all the way to the end of the episode. You have no idea how much it means to me. And I really do hope that you left this conversation feeling lighter, more in tune, and with some tools to apply to your own life. Please feel free to reach out to me via DM on Instagram. I would absolutely love that, which I have linked in the show notes on any feedback or guests that you want to have on. And if you do have a second, I would really appreciate you giving the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts and a quick review. It really helps getting the podcast in front of more people like you. See you next week.